Welcome to the GSI Briefing Podcast. This is Regina Agia, President of the Garden State Initiative. In this episode, we bring you a discussion with New Jersey State Senator Mike Testa and Mr. Jason Rosenberg, who is a CPA here in our state. Senator Testa represents the first legislative district, which includes Atlantic, Cape May, and Cumberland counties in South Jersey. Jason Rosenberg is a senior manager in the state and local tax practice at Witham and a leader of the NJCPA State Taxation Interest Group. The discussion was part of our recent policy forum on Pennsylvania's business tax cuts and what that means for New Jersey. Mike and Jason's remarks outline the competitive disadvantage that our businesses in our state face due to high taxes and an oppressive regulatory climate. We do, however, also discuss where there are opportunities to keep businesses in our state and lure new investment. It's a conversation you won't want to miss. Now, here's my discussion with Senator Testa and Jason Rosenberg. Senator, we're gonna jump in and start with you. I know you were listening in the uh, green room to some of the conversation we just had. So, you know, tell us, are you concerned about what Pennsylvania is doing? And if you are, what proposals you know, or do you think ought to be considered to address the challenge? You know, I'm absolutely beyond concerned at this point, Regina. You know, one of the things that we really need is a regional approach. And in order to have a proper regional approach, you need to have parity between the states. Um, one of the things that really concerned me, and you know, for those that you know follow me, know that uh, I've been a real champion for our local breweries. And you know, the state of Pennsylvania was actually mocking us on on social media about the regulations that we have in the state of New Jersey that really are punishing you know very small business owners who are manufacturers. And I'm the chair of the Manufacturing Caucus for the state of New Jersey, along with uh, Senator Greenstein. And you know, it, it's. I mean, I thought it was pretty shameful that, you know, we had to have be, be mocked on social media by a neighboring state who obviously has a flourishing, you know, small brewery uh, culture there while we're doing everything we possibly can to, you know, strangle that industry, which is a real gr- growth industry. And uh, people of all ages really like to attend those breweries. Um, you know, we have to deal with the facts here. And, and, you know, Regina, you know, you talked about the $50.6 billion budget that New Jersey recently passed. That And that doesn't even take into account the $25 billion of federal money that we have. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really sort of hidden how much real dollars are coming through the state of New Jersey and how much fat can really be trimmed from the budget. You know, I sit on the Senate Budget and Appropriations Committee with uh, Senators Oraho, Senator O'Scanlan, Senator Thompson, and you know we we showed that there was approximately about nine billion dollars that we could have given back to the the citizens of the state of New Jersey, and and you hear you know radio silence on the other side as to how we can really help the average New Jerseyan, and you and you briefly mentioned the anchor program, which isn't really going to do anything to help the nine million residents of of the state of New Jersey. Um, you know, in looking at the facts, Regina, New Jersey ranks behind all of our neighbors and Pennsylvania is is working very hard to leave New Jersey even further behind. Pennsylvania is better on all of the factors that affect business competitiveness, m- minimum wage, the top income tax rate, top corporate tax rate, state sales tax rate, property taxes as a percentage of income and the national unemployment insurance tax ranking. 
you know, New Jersey currently has the top corporate tax at 11.5%, the state sales tax at 6.63%, and property taxes paid as a percentage of income, which is 4.98%. You know, we've created a business climate in the state of New Jersey where I've said manufacturers that I'm close with because of my position on the caucus and other businesses are succeeding in spite of the state of New Jersey's heavy regulatory scheme, heavy tax scheme. They're succeeding in spite of the front office. And we should be helping those businesses stay here because we have we understand that they're the employers. They're the ones who are driving the economy. And it's really unfortunate when you have even another state like Pennsylvania just saying to our breweries, come over here, we'll welcome you with open arms. Yeah. Well, and right now you heard Senator Allmet really, you know, speak to the idea not only are they changing several of those attributes that you just talked about that are inhibiting New Jersey, but they're going to accelerate. No, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, what they've got on the table is only going to get more attractive for businesses to come to Pennsylvania. Sure. Do you see an opportunity, Senator? And Jason, I'm going to get to you in, in one minute about uh, some of the businesses you're talking to. But, you know, do you see an opportunity and a recognition that there are competitive disadvantages here? So I see an opportunity, you know, honestly, Regina, I, I don't mean to be political on this one, but I, I see an opportunity in upcoming elections. But as far as convincing the other side of the aisle that we, we need to have very real world solutions immediately, I think that we've offered very real world solutions for the past you know, three years that I've been in office because we've recognized the issue. I mean, it's a glaring issue. Anyone that has any amount of common sense can look at the state of New Jersey business climate. And when you see you know, a company like Nabisco who's saying, hey, we're out of here. We can't, we're not gonna stay here in the state of New Jersey. I'll use Vineland as an example, You know, my hometown where I, I live and, and, and love it here. And, and, and this is in prior administrations, and I'm not you know, knocking any prior administrations, but th- the climate has been a problem for a very long time. You know, Progresso was right in Vineland after having made a $40 million capital improvement. And in two years, they left with hundreds of jobs. Um, you know, we know Mercedes-Benz USA left. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, the piper has to get paid and businesses aren't going to stay in the state of New Jersey And certainly we're not going to attract any new businesses. It's going to be very difficult. In the manufacturing sector, they're succeeding in spite of the state. And they're also typically very specialized manufacturers. You know, they can't possibly compete with overseas because, you know, China and any of the other sundry of countries, India, they're they're going to crush us because they're going to be able to make the product far far more cheaply than, than we can. I mean, if you think about it, Regina... It's cheaper to import certain items from overseas than it is to make them here. And, you know, I, I want to bring up one, one last point. Jason, I'm not trying to take your time, but, you know, you, you think about the, the paper bag ban that we have in the state of New Jersey. The paper bag ban. Right now in Elizabeth, New Jersey, there's a paper bag manufacturer that's all union jobs, good benefits. I believe they employ approximately 200 people. Well, how long do you think that manufacturer is going to be able to stay in the state of New Jersey when they can't sell one bag in the state of New Jersey because there's a paper bag ban? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know that Pennsylvania or Delaware or New York State is going to say, come over here. We'll gladly accept your expertise in, in making paper bags. And what's funny about it is what's more green than those paper bags? They're made out of 100% recycled material. 
I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. And yet we decided to ban paper bags. I mean, and, and we're always doing things in the state of New Jersey, Regina, as you know, you know, you've been involved in this longer than I have. We're always doing cleanup bills. Why don't we get a bill right the first time around? I mean, anybody who has any modicum of common sense saw that this was going to be a very real problem in the state of New Jersey. Well, it's a though the business you cited is a great, you know, practical example of what makes New Jersey attractive or not from different, you know, kinds of businesses. And so maybe Jason, yeah, let's get you in on this conversation about, you know, the specific clients that you're dealing with, obviously not using their names, but you know, what are you hearing from them and different industries that, you know, you think are particularly vulnerable uh, because of some of the policies that um, you know, we're not adapting to be competitive in our state. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and thanks for having me here. So, you know, to be honest, by the time we're speaking with the client more than nine out of 10 times, right, they already know that their tax burden is significantly higher than the competitor who's located in another state. So by the time we're talking to them, right, clients aren't looking for me to recommend them to leave the state, right? They, they, they want to know um, what the impact is, you know, how best to, you know, disentangle themselves, you know, from the state, what, what the impact would be. Uh, because they're looking to maintain a competitive advantage, of course. Um, you know, we got to keep in mind, right, with remote work being as prevalent as ever, right, business site selection factors such as labor availability, you know, labor costs, operating costs, right, that's not going to be as important of a differentiator as um, the business tax climate uh, because, you know, businesses can hire anywhere across the U.S., right? You're a business located in Florida, Texas, New Jersey. You're going after the same labor in many cases. And, um, you know, so that's going to be an important factor when it comes to the business tax climate. And so, yeah, clients are having a conversation. They want to talk about, um, you know, they're expressing their frustration. You know, they, they do want to keep the business. They do want to keep the workforce in New Jersey, but they also want to, you know, remain competitive. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, your question about vulnerability and, you know, uh, what kind of businesses are, are looking maybe to leave, I would say um, it's really going to be any business that's less capital intensive, right? Those are going to be at the top of the list. And I know that's broad, but they're going to be more adept, obviously, and move the business. They're going to have a lot more flexibility. So we're getting a lot of, um, you know, businesses that are inquiring, you know, hey, I, I could just you know, we could have a remote workforce. We could start hiring people in Arizona. We could be, you know, down in Florida. Why, why stick around in New Jersey? What's the impact? Or we could go across, you know, state lines to Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, we're getting a lot of those kind of um, inquiries. We're doing a lot of modeling and analysis. You know, how will that impact the client? And so that that's where a lot of the uh, conversation has been. And, um, you know, and, and just to add real quickly, um, you know, I, I would argue that even prior to uh, corporate tax reform in Pennsylvania, you know, we got a lot of this um, uh, inquiry as, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, on a pass-through entity perspective, right, um, taxes on a 3% rate. And so, you know, Pennsylvania has always um, a very competitive rate. Um, now it's just being, uh, you know, more aligned with the corporate tax side as well. So, um, you know, hopefully that that kind of helps give you some insight on that. Thanks. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, a number of other states, but you also kind of alluded to the idea of now virtual work is so much more available. And even in some of the production, not, not just service industry, but some of the production. In fact, I noted uh, the other day that um, two different um, automobile manufacturers chose to put their next investment of billions of dollars into Georgia 
um, as well as I think it was another Southern state for Hyundai. And so what you see is not just, you know, where the companies are, but where they're going to invest. And, you know, one of the things that Mike alluded to, and I'm going to come back to you, Senator Testa, is that, you know, there are some unique kinds of producers in our state that tend to be a little bit more capital intensive. As you said, unique manufacturing, um, you know, plants that are operations that you referenced, Mike. So I guess, you know, not to be all doom and gloom, I know there are some industries and some businesses that want to continue to invest in New Jersey. And maybe, you know, you could help because that would be obvious, an obvious coalition that we could start to still draw upon to help build some of the support that we talked about with the Pennsylvania group previously on the webinar, they built support inside the business community. So they'd be good advocates, I think, for how we can keep businesses here and keep the investments here. So maybe, Mike, I'll start with you and I'll come back to you, Jason. Like, in addition to the specialized manufacturing, what other businesses are, you know, really want to stay here, really want to invest, but, you know, we need to make changes to help that decision? Well, you know, I can tell you, I know my district really well. And, and, and some of the folks that are in manufacturing are family businesses, multi-generational family businesses. So there's still that X factor that no matter what somebody would be offered, you know, if there's three generations working there, they don't, they're not going to leave. Like, you know, because, you know, I can tell you that one of the manufacturers that I'm, you know, intimately familiar with, uh, you know, she, the, the daughter of the owner was in my homeroom in ninth and 10th grade. And she married one of my closest friends, you know, like, and, and you know, they're all in, in this wonderful business together. I know that, you know, the, patriarch of the business, you know, doesn't want to see his children and grandchildren leave. He, he wants to be able to be there. So there is that factor. Look, New Jersey is a wonderful place to live. So I, I think that's something that is really keeping a lot of people here. And there's that pride, like, and, and look, you know, one of the manufacturers that I'm, that I'm going to, that I can speak about is a, is a major glass and door manufacturer. Well, you know, they, they put all of the glass and doors in Wawa's throughout the state of New Jersey and, and well beyond. Well, guess what? You know, Wawa needs them here. So they really kind of can't leave, uh, you know, but and, and this is their, their centralized location. So and, and look, there's a huge scientific glass manufacturing sector right in the city of right in the city of Vineland and, you know, throughout Cumberland County, really, you know, those folks, because of supply, the supply chain, you know, we have, you know, we boast about having some of the greatest sand to, to make glass. So it's here. So there's no way that they can work remotely. They have to have their manufacturing facility right here and close to the product that helps them make glass. And that's sand. So, you know, I think between the families and certain industries that just really they need the raw materials that were, you know, for lack of a better term, mining right here, they, they need to stay here. But again, it, we should be easing up the reins on them quite a bit. And, and look, there's not only just the tax structure, you know, the DEP regulations, which are getting more and more difficult to navigate. God forbid you have a Pinelands or a wetlands issue, you know, where the, where there is a manufacturing facility. And, you know, I can tell you my constituents will say to me, like, you know, I, I'm a small manufacturer and it's almost like I need a general counsel now to be able to, you know, for compliance issues with DEP and other issues like that. This isn't you know, I'm not out to be a bad actor. And I think New Jersey far too many times, Regina, sort of legislates and regulates for the bad actor rather than, you know, the overwhelming majority of manufacturers and businesses that are in the state of New Jersey that want to be good actors. They don't want to pollute. They don't want to have any problems. Uh, but, you know, it's 
it's an uphill battle. And, and look, I have faith, uh, obviously, in, in the free market system, but I, I don't think that we can continue to count on the ingenuity and the spirit of the entrepreneur in the state of New Jersey ad infinitum, because eventually they're just going to get squeezed out of the state of New Jersey. And, and quite frankly, we deserve better. I've said it before that, you know, the bridge that as we go into Trenton, where it says Trenton makes and the world takes, we have so many specialized manufacturers, but we really need to make that mean something again, because I, I can tell you when I look at that sign and I say, you know, under the gold dome, you know, we take a lot right? <laughs> the gold, it's a lot in taxes. And we make a lot of mistakes, uh, you know, unfortunately, and, and it's unfortunate. I'm present company excluded. But. <laughs> well, just, I mean, building actually, give another example of what you were saying about the regulation, then Jason, I'm going to come to you is, um, I think you've heard me say this before that in one of our GSI forums, economic policy forums, we had a business leader who you know, gave us the experience of trying to start a new entity. And he looked yeah. in North Carolina, Virginia, New Jersey, and to your point about, you know, the onerous nature of how we approach things is, you know, to start a, in a business in Virginia took nine pages of data that they wanted. And in North Carolina, I think it was 14 pages. And when he turned to New Jersey to set up the entity, it was 58 pages of information that we were demanding before you could even collect dollar one of revenue. So these kinds of benchmarks and looking at other states, I think are important to help, um, I think yourself and build you know, support for changes in how we approach the support for the industry and, and building the economy of our state. So uh, Jason, I'm gonna come back to you for a moment if we could and other industries that you, you know, seeing that you really want to invest, staying in New Jersey and that could maybe help with the coalition. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, there, there's certainly companies out there that are considering investing or expanding their footprint in New Jersey. Um, you know, I, I would say it's it's you know more limited than than I think some of them that are looking to to leave. But from my perspective, and, and kind of what was alluded by the senator, right? What um, we're seeing is that you know other factors are going to play a part, such as the supply chain maybe warehousing location is going to be important, logistics, you know, other attributes that are going to outweigh the tax considerations. And, you know, in many cases, um, this expansion might be the result of maybe businesses that were in New York City, such as the financial service industry, that still want to remain in close proximity to New York. But, you know, obviously, New York City with their high cost and changes to the workforce with more people um, adopting high, you know, hybrid working, that's playing a part in um, a lot of New York City-based uh, businesses and especially in the financial sector that are saying, hey, you know, let's let's maybe relocate or partially relocate to Jersey City or you know Hoboken or, or one of those kind of neighborhoods. Um, you know, for other clients, we're also seeing some you know foreign businesses that have um, you know and, and overseas investors that you know are looking to expand to the U.S. right inbound companies. Um, but do want to have a geographic presence in the New York region. And, you know, New Jersey is definitely, uh, because of the geography, is definitely on, on top of their list to have presence um, on the East Coast. And generally what we're seeing is industries such as pharmaceuticals, biotechnology, and other kind of technology-related businesses. Because New Jersey does have, you know, a high concentration of scientists and engineers, right, as part of their workforce um, labor. So, um, you know, New Jersey, uh, for, for these businesses, right, I think New Jersey can can lean on these advantages to attract businesses to the state. And so, you know, there's definitely strengths, I think, that New Jersey um, offers. And, you know, as, as if, if, you know, New Jersey can 
you know, provide a supporting environment. I think these businesses, um, you know, do take New Jersey seriously as a place to potentially, um, you know, locate part of their business to. Yeah, I mean, it's true. We have tremendous assets and, um, you know, we have an opportunity, I think. And so, Senator, I'm going to give you the the final word. I mean, just looking at what Pennsylvania did with a term limited Democratic uh, governor and a Republican leading, um, you know, legislature, they were able to build a coalition, right? Businesses, unions, political both sides of the aisle, bipartisan, you know, support for it inside of uh, the legislature. And I, I don't think it's a political question, right? I mean, asking, you know, candidates and representatives what they're going to do for the business community to build our economy is not political. That's, you know, a survival. So maybe you can just kind of close us out here with what do you, where do you see the opportunity for the coalition to build and the opportunity to make New Jersey more competitive? Thank you so much, Regina. You know, I'm 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 actually hopeful that we can find a way forward that actually puts taxpayers first rather than last. Um, you know, I, and I think that other others on the opposite side of the aisle from me have are keenly aware of what has been happening, and that we can't continue down this road to perdition forever. I mean, it's just it's it's not sustainable. You know, in the current climate, I, I don't necessarily see. Um, the brightest star, or you know, for that outcome. But I, I, I still remain hopeful because I can tell you in the in the hallways of Trenton, though, you know, there's many other legislators that'll say, you know, I agree with you, but we're not we're not there yet. Well, I, I think we've been there. We should have been there for a, for quite some time. You know, as you noted at the outset, Regina, New Jersey saw the current administration bring us a 50.6 billion dollar budget with absolutely zero input from my side of the aisle. You know, we were handed this massive budget, you know, a few, you know, I think it was about 20, 25 minutes prior to having voted on it in um, in SBA, which, you know, that's that's not fair. That's not how government is supposed to work. It's not transparent. <clears throat> and, and, I, and I misspoke earlier. I said we had proposed nine billion dollars of tax relief. We had actually proposed eight, eight billion. I, I apologize for that of tax relief. And, you know, and we increasing the state surplus to $5 billion, more than doubling the proposed debt repayments and increasing legislative oversight of the Murphy administration spending in a, in a very detailed budget plan that went wholly ignored. Um, instead, the administration went forward with millions more in pork projects for what looked to be friends and supporters while dismissing the concerns of very hard hit taxpayers. Um, you know, one of the other issues that I really want to address, Regina, is we have we suffer from a massive brain drain here in the state of New Jersey. Young people are not choosing New Jersey, even if even if they typically have, you know, strong family ties here, you know, because they're going to look at what it costs to live here after they have, a, you know, amassed what I believe to be a mountain of, of debt from a four year university or beyond. And, you know, they, you know, most, most 22 year olds don't want to continue to live in their in their parents' basement, you know, despite what, you know, many memes on, on social media say, you know, they look they look elsewhere and say, hey, wait a minute, I might get a lower wage. And that's not even necessarily true anymore in this post COVID market, but it used to be true. They say, but the cost of living is so much less, in, you know, in a state like Georgia, you know, I have a friend of mine that I graduated law school with that used to send me, um, Photos of homes, you know, from Zillow and, and other, you know, other places like that for real estate and then compare it to New Jersey, you know, and say, hey, this is what you get in Georgia and this is what you get in Jersey for the same price. And it was and it was quite laughable. I mean, it was it was really, you know, pretty laughable. So 
you know, that's an issue that we really need to address is that brain drain. How are we going to continue to attract younger people? And, and whether it's, they don't have to have a four-year degree, but to stay in the manufacturing sector, which by the way, the average pay with overtime is about $96,000 a year in manufacturing. And that obviously comes without a mountain of four-year college debt and or beyond if you're getting, you know, postgraduate degrees. You know, I think what we really need to have is much more transparency in the processes that take place in Trenton. And, and also, you know, when we, when we think about that over-regulatory process that we have, and it's that mentality that is kind of, hey, this is the way it's always been done in the state of New Jersey, and this is the way it's always going to be. You know, those are hidden taxes, right? When you have, when you have an over-regulatory process in 56 pages, well, guess what? You know, that business owner is saying, you know, I'm going to have my accountant Jason, look at it. And I'm going to have my attorney, Michael, look at it to make sure. But look, now you just paid an attorney and an accountant to look at something that, you know, why aren't we helping more businesses flourish? So I'm I'm hopeful that common sense will eventually prevail in the state of New Jersey. And I just hope that most of the stakeholders in the state of New Jersey haven't moved out by then. Well, Senator, thank thank you. Yeah, you brought up a couple of things that Senator, State Senator Almond from Pennsylvania raised with us as well. Um, in terms of uh, the younger generation not really choosing New Jersey, uh, he observed that about Pennsylvania and making it more attractive was important. And part of that is having good jobs in the state and having an affordable uh, cost of living. So, it, you know, it does sound very similar. Um, I think Pennsylvania is a first mover here in terms of, you know, taking taking real action. And but they also did talk about it takes uh, both time and uh, a coalition. So I'm hopeful for our audience that, you know, we, you know, had, I think, a pretty honest conversation about both what it took to accomplish this in Pennsylvania and the opportunity that exists for New Jersey to create, I think, a continuously improving and more attractive environment for our state. So Senator Testa and uh, Jason, thank you very much for being with us. And for those, you know, who are interested in further details on Pennsylvania, our latest podcast for the Garden State Initiative is on our website, and you can listen to that, uh, gardenstateinitiative.org, and you'll find our podcast there. And hopefully, um, we will have a follow-up conversation. I'd love, Senator and Jason, to have you back and talk about how we're making progress on this subject uh, next time. So thanks again for being with us, Senator and Jason, and thank you to the audience. The GSI Briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, Visit us at GardenStateInitiative.org and be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Agia, and thank you for listening.